Amen, amen. Hey, grab a seat. If an eight-year-old consistently forgets their sack lunch at home and mom has to drop it off at the cafeteria over and over again, it, it makes sense. We expect that, right? If an 18-year-old consistently forgets their sack lunch at home, you go, okay, 18-year-old, you got to grow up a little bit, but you can understand mom dropping it by. For If you're 28 at the office and mom has to bring your sack lunch every day, two words, grow up. If a 12-year-old sits in his parents' basement and eats pizza rolls and plays PlayStation every night, it makes sense. Uh, if a 22-year-old finds himself back into mom and dad's basement on a break from college, eating pizza rolls and playing PlayStation, we can understand that happened. If you're 42 and you're eating pizza rolls and playing PlayStation in mom and dad's basement, two words, you go grow up. Now, uh, uh, some extreme examples to illustrate something that we intuitively know. As we grow up, um, it's expected that we are growing out of some childish things and we're maturing, it's the word we use, we're maturing into things that are common or normal for adults to be doing and to be thinking like and to be saying. Oh, we're used to this idea of growing up. Last week, we launched a brand new series. We called it Vitals. And in this series, we're looking at the source and then the signs of a healthy life in Christ. And this week, we're looking at this vital sign that we'll just call spiritual growth. Just as we intuitively know to grow up through the years means growing out of some things and growing into some new things. So it is true for our spiritual walk with Jesus that as we look at our walk with Jesus, we should be seeing spiritual growth. And so uh, we're looking at this vital sign today of what does healthy growth in the Lord look like? Like. And so last week we began this series and we talked about before we can talk about vital signs of spiritual growth, we first need to understand how do we even have spiritual life. And we talked about last week being in Christ and uh, the old being gone and the new coming. Now, uh, today we look at this vital sign of what is growth and how do we grow into this new reality of who Christ has made us. And so uh, we turn this week to another letter written by the Apostle Paul. If you have a Bible, book of Ephesians is where we're going to be. If you need a Bible under a seat close by, you'll find one. Uh, use the table of contents. Look into the New Testament. Find the book of Ephesians. And we're going to be in chapter four of Ephesians today as we unpack what does it look like to grow in Christ and how do we grow in Christ? Uh, a little bit on the book of Ephesians. Um, the book of Ephesians was no doubt uh, sent to believers, Jesus followers in the city of Ephesus, but um, it probably didn't stay just in that city. Uh, many people think that the book of Ephesians would have been what's called a cyclical letter, uh, read by the church in Ephesus, passed on to a church in another city or another region, and uh, that many churches would have read the, uh, what Paul is writing here. The book of Ephesians has a very um, uh, common structure to it. Uh, the first three chapters or the first roughly half of the letter, uh, there's almost zero commands that you'll find in it. It is all about who are you in Christ. It's all about identity in Christ. Here's who you are, believer. Here's who you are. Here's who you are. 
chapter 4 comes, and uh, the emphasis shifts. Now that we've laid a foundation of your identity, of who you are in Christ, here's what the life of an in Christ one looks like. And the second part of the book of Ephesians gets very, very practical. Here's what life looks like. We are picking up this letter in the very practical turn of the letter itself. And as you turn to, ch- to, turn to chapter 4 of Ephesians, you might even see a uh, title above it in your Bible that translators have given this section. It says, Unity in the Body of Christ. So we have to understand uh, chapter 4, the, the, the thing Paul is wanting to talk about here is that God has given some uh, different gifts. He's called some people to different roles in the church, but all of that is to be for the unity of the body of believers. Now, we find something very, very important in this discussion of how does a body, how does a church stay unified? I want you to see all of um, the vocabulary of growth, of maturity. Pick it up with me, verse 11, Ephesians 4. Uh, here we go. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be, what's it say? So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so over and over again in this section, you see so, many, so much vocabulary here about maturing, maturing, that you would grow into the, uh, the fullness of the stature of Christ. All in favor of that, say aye. We want that. It says so that you will no longer be children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. That sounds good. That sounds good. That sounds good. That sounds good. Uh, but Paul is like how a body achieves unity is through maturity. The body as a whole matures, and each believer is seeking maturity in their own life. And so today, we look at this spiritual vital sign of spiritual growth. How do we grow in Christ? And we ask ourselves a question, am I growing? Am I growing? Now, we could keep it in the generic, am I growing? Or we could ask some harder questions. You want some harder questions? I mean, am I dominated in the same exact way by the same exact sin pattern today as I was 15 years ago? Or have I seen any growth in it? Do I, do I find myself longing for the word of God? Not perfectly. I have mornings, I get up and I'm like, oh, like I need to get on with this. But do I find a greater longing in my heart for the word of God than I did, than I had three years ago? And my loving communion with Jesus, just being with him, just sitting at his feet, more so than 18 months, 
two years, five years ago, are, are we seeing growth in our walk with Jesus? And now certainly we all hit seasons, we all hit plateaus, we all hit kind of those, those funks, those spiritual funks that we get in. You do know everyone gets in spiritual funks, right? And so don't think you're alone in that. When you're in a season where you're like, man, I just feel dry, dry seasons come. But overall, the greater trajectory of your walk with Jesus, are you seeing growth? That's what we're getting at today. What does healthy growth in the Lord look like? Now, um, let me give us kind of three motivators to to listen for the next 30 minutes. Um, Let me tell you why I think this is an important message for us. Growing in Christ is crucial because three things. Number one, uh, because this, we exist to bring God glory. We say that in some form or fashion every week around here. Why we are breathing, why we are upright today, is to bring God glory with our lives. Our lives exist as little, little spotlights turning the light onto Jesus Christ to reveal his awesomeness, his majesty, his holiness, his righteousness, his uh, supremacy. That is why we exist. And uh, the Bible says, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so as we grow, we bear more fruit that brings God glory. This is why a message like this today is crucial, because we exist to bring God glory. Second, a message like this today is crucial because it is for our ultimate good. Your greatest good is found in your passionate, zealous, all-out, following of Jesus Christ. The enemy will lie to you. He will try to uh, uh, dangle lures of sin in front of us to say, no, 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 this is way more fun. This is way better. Go pursue this thing. But our greatest good, our greatest joy is found in an all-out pursuit of Jesus Christ and of growing uh, in our walk with him as closely to him as we possibly can. Our greatest good is found in this. And then Don't lose sight of this. Don't lose sight of the context that all of this conversation we're going to have falls in. Um, Growing in Christ is crucial, crucial because it benefits the entire body of Christ. Do you know your spiritual growth has greater ramifications than just on your personal life? Husbands, your spiritual growth has implications on your marriage and in your family. Wives, Your spiritual growth has implications on your marriage and in your family. Kids, listen up, kids. Y'all listening? Your spiritual growth has amazing implications on the tone and the temperature that can set into your home and into your youth group and into, and listen, teenagers, teenagers, y'all listening? Y'all have some power to set some tones and temperatures in a place, okay? And so your spiritual growth, your all-out reckless abandon for Jesus has great implications not only for your own walk, but for the entire body of Christ, for our families, great implications on other people. So how do we grow? What does spiritual growth look like? God helps us with that in the very next paragraph where we're going to camp out. But pray with me before we go to that paragraph. Father, help us now. Lord, we do want to grow. We don't want to be stagnant. We don't want to be stale. We don't want to be plateaued. Lord, we recognize that there are seasons where we're dry 
where we don't feel like we're growing, but Lord, we want you to water the dry seasons and we want you to mature us out of the stagnant ones. Lord, we want you to show yourself so good to us today that we walk out of this place just desiring for more of you, more of you, more of you. So God, please, would you use your word now in our heart in whatever manner you want to use it? And I pray this now in Jesus' name, amen. Pick it up, verse 17. So we've just talked about, uh, Paul's begin to talk about how does the whole body grow up into the head, that is Christ, unified, maturing, and now he says this. Now this, verse 17. I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer, what's the word? A common expression by the Apostle Paul. When he talks about us living out a life, he loves this picture, this illustration of just walking that you must no longer walk, that you must no longer live this pattern of life, back to the text, walk as the Gentiles do. And now look at how he describes the life of the Gentile or the unbeliever in this passage. In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Now, I just want you to stop there and I want you to look at some of the descriptive words that Paul uses here to talk about the mind of someone who has not been renewed by Jesus Christ. Uh, to talk about what would have described us before we knew Jesus. He says um, they're given over to the futility or the uselessness of their mind. Uh, He says they're darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God because why? Because of the ignorance that is in them. Why is there ignorance? Due to the hardness of their hearts. These, These are the characteristics that were true of us too before we knew Jesus Christ. And you read these verses and you go, yuck. Like I don't want any part of that. And Paul goes, yeah, exactly. These things aren't to be true of the one who is now in Christ. Pick it up, verse 20. He changes the tone here. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, As the truth is in Jesus, here we go. Help us out, Paul. What should it look like for the person in Christ to be growing in their walk? How does this even happen? Here it is, verse 22. To put off your old, what? To put off your old self. So he's all of these things that I'm using to describe the Gentile, the person who doesn't know Jesus, all of these things that were true of you before you knew Jesus. He says uh, that that's not how you learn Christ. Instead, when you come in Christ, when you are in Christ, you put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Now, we just got to stop here and we need to understand some things. We're talking about what does it look like to be someone who, yes, is in Christ, but um, how do we grow in Christ? Now, you might have a question just by the nature of kind of the topic of that. If you were here last week, you know that we preached on that if anyone is in Christ, he is a 
behold, the old is, the new has. And you're like, why do, okay, we're a new creation. Why do we even need to talk about spiritual growth? Like, aren't we just like completely brand new? And should, like, why, shouldn't just like we just be grown up? Why do we need to grow? No, scripture then teaches that this, this awesome reality has happened. We have a new identity. We have a new nature. We have a new heart. And at the same time, God throughout this life here on earth is uh, here, big church word, is sanctifying us. He is progressively making us more like Jesus Christ. It's like we are practically growing up into the reality that he has said is finished once and for all when he made us in Christ. And so we got to know something. Growing in Christ includes, and we're going to see this here, God has a role in our sanctification. And oh, by the way, God has a very big role in our sanctification. Like there is no sanctification without God's work in our heart. Amen? But also, we can't get out of balance because we have a role in this. Like, we also, Scripture teaches that we got to that verse right there, and Paul gives a command. He says, put off your old self. And even in the very tense of the verbs there, it is telling us we have a role in the putting off. And so we have to walk this balance of spiritual growth because here's what happens. When we get unbalanced in this, and when we say, no, our growth is all, like, just, God does it. Yes, 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 yes. God does do it. But when we get on balance and when we say this is all on God and I have no role in this, um, we walk a very dangerous line where we just say, I don't got to do it. I don't got to do anything. I don't have to do anything. And you're like, yeah, you don't have to do it because it is God in you. You're right. And that's why you see this dichotomy all through scripture when Paul writes, work out your own salvation when fear and trembling. What? We know that we don't work for our salvation. Scripture is clear on that, and yet Paul is saying that you, are, you have a role in the sanctifying nature of your walk with Jesus. But then that verse goes on to say, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What? For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We know the balance of this. But if you get unbalanced on the other side, and you say, no, 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 our sanctification, our growth in the Lord, it's all about, we, we got to go, we got to put off. We got to put on. Uh, good luck. You will be so exhausted so fast. I'm not going to say one, um, one like mean-spirited thing today. Good luck. <laughs> like the first time someone cuts you off driving and all of a sudden you're out, like, where did that come from? We know that we can't get unbalanced to just say, like, we grow ourselves. No, that's not what Scripture teaches. Back to this balanced understanding that when we're growing in Christ, God has a role, we have a role. Now, we'll see this play out here in these, these uh, really going to focus in on verse 22, 23, 24 today. We're going to see God's role, our role, play out here in a great way. And you see the double aspect of this when you get to verse 22. Put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Let me give you the first point here. I grow in Christ when, firstly, I put off the old self. Now, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. 
You have uh, the old nature is gone, new nature has come. Old identity is gone, new identity has come. Old heart is gone, new heart God is given you by God inside of you there. Um, but um, there is a reality. Let me say it like this. How many of you have like a t-shirt that you love? Had it for years? Come on, come on. Just you love. It's like worn out perfectly, Right? The holes in the, like, just perfect places. It just, it's almost like your body has melted into this t-shirt over time. If you've got one of these, you know what I'm saying. My wife had to have the talk with me not too long ago that there's a, a Wabash College shirt that she said, that, hey, that's no longer, like, public appropriate, okay? Like, you got to retire that. And if you saw this shirt, it's whole, like, holes everywhere. And I was digging early this morning with the flashlight of my phone in my t-shirt drawer trying to find it. You threw it away, didn't you? You threw it away, didn't you? <laughs> You're like, if you saw, you're like, why wouldn't you just throw that away? And I'd say, never. That is going in the t-shirt hall of fame. That will never be thrown away. You would see it and you're like, that's nasty and it's useless. Now, I say that to say, um, aren't there characteristics that even though we're in Christ, new identity, new nature, new heart, our flesh rears its ugly head and there's some old stuff from the old life that we're like, honestly, if I was being honest, I like it. I'm comfortable with it. I love it. That makes me feel good. And I know, like, I know that that's not part of the new walk in Christ. And yet I just find myself wanting my flesh longs for some of the characteristics that were true of me in the old life. And Paul says, put those away. Put those off. You aren't that anymore. This, Paul's giving a picture. I use a t-shirt illustration for a reason. This picture Paul is giving, he's saying, literally, those clothes that were part of the old you, take them off and throw them away. Those aren't part of the new you. Put off, take off those. And then he's going to tell us as the passage goes forward uh, that we're putting on new clothes that are fitting for one who is in Christ. It's like this. It's a, uh, like a prisoner being released from prison and his friend goes to pick him up and he walks out of the gate and he's still wearing his prison jumpsuit. And the friend says, hey, don't, don't you want to change before we And he's like, no, I love this. I'm never, like I'm wearing this every day. Said no prisoner ever, Right. I have to imagine one of the most freeing things for someone who's been incarcerated is to get out of the prison jumpsuit. How many Jesus followers are walking around still like, hey, I still want to keep this patch, though, of the old prison jumpsuit? If I can, like, yeah, I want pretty much all the clothes, but if I can still have the patch when I was a prisoner and kind of keep that with me in the new life with Christ, and the Lord's like, no, put, those up, put it off. Take it off. You have a new heart, a new nature, new identity. You are new in Christ. Don't bring that old characteristic sin patterns of your life into your new walk with Jesus. But now we can read it. We can doctrinally understand it. We can sit at church in church on Sunday morning and go, got it, boom, put off, put off all that old stuff. But it's hard to do. It can be difficult to actually live out. Why? Because the flesh rears its ugly head. And as I've said before, there's aspects of sin that were characteristic of our old life that honestly, we still can kind of like, and we still can kind of, um, when we're stressed or anxious, turn back to those. And so it's hard because the flesh rears its ugly head. And I just want to kind of help us through some of this. So let's call these three excuses we make instead of putting off the old self. You ready for these? 
Three excuses we make instead of putting off the old. You're like, some of you are like, I don't know if I'm ready for these, right? Number one, it's okay. Everyone struggles with that. This is, uh, this is said by the guy who's just been confronted on maybe uh, a, a purity issue in his life. And instead of going, you know what? You're right. That is not the characteristic of someone who is in Christ. He says, every red-blooded male struggles with that. And he just excuses it and wants to move on. Now, um, he, he may have a bit of truth to what he's saying. There might be a common struggle amongst that, but it isn't an excuse to just excuse away sin that's to be grown from, right? It's the guy who's convicted himself, and he sits with a group of men, and he says, I just need to confess to you all a heightened sense of lust in this season. And instead of the men lovingly coming around Sodom and going, we understand, we know where you're at, but how can we help you put that off and put on something that would be honoring to Jesus? They just go, hey, man, everyone's like, no, it's okay. It's the person who is convicted about gossip in their life. And who says, and who says, um, who says, like, I just find myself saying things about people that I would never say if they were in my presence. And like, instead of people like, hey, how can we, we love you. Um, we totally get it. We've fallen into that too. But how do we help you grow out of that? They just say, hey, it's okay. Like, don't be too hard on yourself. Everyone struggles with that. This, this excuse falls into those uh, categories of like, quote unquote, culturally acceptable sins that are out there. And I just want us to like think about that as we try to catch ourselves going, hey, um, it's okay. Everyone struggles with that. Usually the intention of a statement like that is well-meaning. You're trying to relate to the person, but don't leave it there. Come alongside and say, how do we together see God grow us out of this? Second excuse we make instead of putting off the old. I wish I could, but this, this struggle just runs in our family. It's just like part of, who, part of who we are. And like, man, I wish we could have victory over that. But, you know, my, my granddaddy struggled with it, my daddy struggled with it, and I struggled with it. You have to say it just like that too, okay? <laughs> and now let me get real real with you. Uh, this is what I've heard growing up in our family. Grandmen listening back in Michigan, I apologize. Okay, I'm going to out us here. You know, what, what we always talk about is, hey, Graham Temper, there it is. Hey, you're just a Graham guy. Graham temper. We just, that's, that's, how, that's how we handle hard things. We just, we just have a temper. And that's how I grew up. Like, we, you know, I made that excuse. Hey, it's just part of, we just got a temper. It's how we, how we handle things. And the, the Lord took me through literally a painful, it was painful, I'll you know, tell you the story, a painful moment to begin to open my eyes that that's not the way it has to be. I punched, I was 16, 17 years old, I punched the back window out of my car. Um, now, it wasn't the back windshield, and it wasn't even the back roll-down window, you know, that little triangle window, okay? <laughs> and, and the car had been backed into something else, so it was actually just a piece of plexiglass over that. So I don't want you to think it was like as Jason Bourne sounding, is it really, it wasn't like that at all. But I punched this little plexiglass triangle thing out the back window. And as I pulled my hand back out, like there it is all bloody and running down. And I just, I can tell you, I was in the high school parking lot looking at my bloody hand going, this doesn't just have to be like a gram thing. Like we got to be able to grow over this. Like, we can't just use this as an excuse. Like, there has to be hope for growth in this. 
Otherwise, I'm going to have a lot of bloody hands the rest of my life and a lot of medical bills. And so no doubt, I, you know, I'm not discounting that in all of our family lines, there's probably some sin that becomes more common to us just because of some hereditary stuff and stuff that I'm not smart enough to understand. But I'm just saying, let's, let's acknowledge it. Let's call it what it is. But let's not just say like, oh, it just, it's just part of who we are. Let's put it off. Let's believe Jesus is powerful enough to help us grow over that. Now, um, I told you three excuses, and I want to be very, very, very careful with this next one. So don't put it up yet, Dakota. Uh, let me kind of give a disclaimer on this. I wrestled all week with whether, whether to include this. And um, I really felt strongly that the Spirit was leading to include it. But I, I want to be very, very careful, and I want to handle this one gently because I just want to acknowledge to you that... Um, um, well, I just, I don't want you to take this differently. So let me put up this excuse and let me explain what I mean by it. Three excuses we make instead of putting off the old. Third one is this, I can't help it. I've been diagnosed with dot, dot, dot. Now, hear me. Look at me. Everyone look at me. Please, before you pull out your phone and already start writing like the angry email about this, please look at me. If you have legitimate physical, in some cases psychological issues where a diagnosis has come, you need physical or medical solutions to those. Hear me? If you have spiritual issues that are driving some things that are symptomatic in your life, we need spiritual solutions to those. Why I bring this one up isn't because I'm anti-diagnosis of anything. And man, my pastor said, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. I bring this up because we live in a culture that can be very, very quick to slap a medical or a psychological label on something that really might be driven by some root sin issues. And what happens is when, when we really have a root sin issue, spiritual issue, but we've slapped on it a medical label, we then go like, oh, just give me something to mask the symptoms instead of God wanting us to get down into that root and root out any sin that might be there, which will fix the symptoms if we do. Now that I've made you all very uncomfortable, let me just say, I'm not anti I'm not a doctor, and I'm not pretending to be. Where there are legitimate things, you need to go get legitimate, uh, with legitimate experts who can help you diagnose those things. I'm just saying through the years as I've sat across the table with people and we've come across a command in the word of God, people have said, oh, that, that doesn't apply to me because I've been diagnosed with this. I just want you to hear our God is so good and he's so loving that anything he commands us to in scripture, he will give us the ability in Christ to carry out. We good? Sure? Okay. I, I, I told that one very gently. I almost cut it even this morning. And since the Holy Spirit go, no, 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 no. So let's not make excuses where God is calling us to grow. Let's not make excuses where we need to put off some things. Now, if, if 
we ended the sermon right here, you would leave very discouraged. Because all I have done is said, you know all that stuff you hate and that's in your life that's still carried over, kind of a hangover from the old life? Stop it. And you would leave very discouraged. Because you're like, Pastor, I knew that before I walked in. All the stuff you're telling me, I, I, I know I need to put it off. How? Right? How? If we jumped right to, if you don't know where this passage goes, spoiler, spoiler alert, that the third point is going to be to put on a new self, okay? But if we jumped right to, okay, put off that old stuff and put on the new stuff, boom, let's pray and let's go. And we missed what verse 23 says, we wouldn't have any power to actually live this out. Verse 23. Let me start back in 22. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Verse 23. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Don't miss that. I grow in Christ when I put off the old self and I'm renewed in the spirit of my mind. I want you to notice verb tenses in this passage. We have a role. Put off, put off, put off, put off the old self. And then look at how this phrase right here is worded. And to be renewed. Be encouraged. You don't do the renewing. God does the renewing. That's a passive verb. That's something that another agent is working on us. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Thank you, Lord, for the renewing work you do in us. That's a fantastic place for an amen. Thank you, Lord, for the renewing work you're doing in us. We're, Lord, yes, we are in Christ, new nature, new heart, new identity, and we're, we're working with you to put off some of those things that we carry into this new life. But, Lord, you're renewing our mind. What the word renew me, uh, make new. We're made new in our very identity the moment we're in Christ, and the Lord is renewing us, growing us into greater Christ-likeness as we go. Now, we got to ask a couple questions, though, because we get in here, we're like, how does this, what, is, what does this even mean? So a couple questions we got to ask as we get to verse 23. What is the spirit of the mind? Like, we got to understand that. Because, I mean, you get here, and it's like, we understand put off, we understand put on, and then it gets to like, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. What does that mean? And a second question then, how does God renew the spirit of the mind? So, spirit of the mind. I think this is Paul's um, redundantly, a purposefully redundant statement of getting at what the inner man is. Be renewed in your inner man. Be renewed in the inmost man of who you are. Yes, you are a new creation, and you're growing up into the reality of what Christ has already done. If he didn't get here, and he just said, put off, put on, he knows what we would do is we just start changing external behavior. We just start changing external behavior with no power to change internally. This is what Jesus came after when he preached the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard that it was said, do not commit adult. And they're like, check, done. What you got done? And he's like, I say to you, those of you who've looked on a woman lustfully, he gets to the heart. Why? Because the Lord is after an inner man change. 
He's after a heart change. He knows when he has our heart, he's got our hands. But if he, Paul's like, I know if I just leave it put off, put on, they'll do, all they'll focus on is external behavior. And he says, let the Lord renew you in the spirit of your mind, in the inner man. Let the Lord renew the mindset, the viewpoint, the attitude. Let him renew it from the inside out. Now, how does he do that? How is the inner man renewed? Well, the Holy Spirit does this work. Titus 3.5 tells us that. I'm not going to go there, but you can look that. Titus 3.5 tells us the renewal work is the work of the Holy Spirit. But how do we bring ourselves to the Lord in such a way that the Holy Spirit can do the work? So let me give you this point and then let's talk about this. I grow in Christ when I put off the old self and I'm renewed in the spirit of my mind. And we'll get to the third point here in a minute. How does the Lord use things in our life to renew the spirit of our mind? Um, he uses the word of God in this. Our mind is transformed by conforming the way we think and the attitudes of our heart and mind to what God's word says. So this is why it's so crucial that we feast on the word of God. Feasting on the word of God, being in it every day, um, reading it, memorizing it, meditating. It's not just a spiritual discipline because this is what Christians should do. It's a spiritual discipline because it is forming Christ in our heart in a greater way. We're knowing him more and more. And this is why even on days you get up and you're like, I don't feel like it right now. Get into it and let him renew the spirit of your mind. Let it, let it renew the inner man. This is why we spend time with the Lord in prayer. We commune with him. We talk to him. We're getting our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. We're beginning to get the mind of Christ to think about um, dis making decisions, not with like building a kingdom here or how do we live our best life now. We're getting, we're asking the Lord to show us how to have a spiritual mind and spiritual eyes on these things. This is why we get into fellowship with biblical community, with Christian community. God uses this to help renew the spirit of our mind. When I say, you know what I think? I think, I think we should do this. And all of these Christian men around me are like, ah, Brock, uh. I don't know if you're thinking like with an eternal perspective about this. The spiritual disciplines... Christian community are things God will use to renew the inner man. And so, and so, oh, that we would slow down and oh, that we would live with enough margin to be able to sit at the feet of Jesus in an unhurried way and let him work out our inner man, what he wants it to be. We are so hurried and our schedules are so full that we pick up off the Barnes & Noble bookshelf three-minute devotions for men. Don't recommend that. We quick do it. We check it off and on we go. Oh, sit at the feet of Jesus and let him form you in the inner person. When that happens, we now have power to put off the old and we have power where it's going next to put on the new self. Verse 24. 
to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self. Now look at how it describes this new self. Created after what? I need everyone there because you got to see this. It goes all the way back to the very first page of your Bible. Created after what? The likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. He says, put off that which was characteristic of you before you knew Jesus. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new self, which was created in its original intent, Adam and Eve, created in the image of God, unmarred, unhindered by sin, and then sin enters the world, and all of these descriptive words from above, futility of the mind, and darkened, and alienated, all of that came in, and he says, set those things off and pursue righteousness and holiness with a renewed inner man so that you will be the most Christ-like image bearers to the globe that we can possibly be. Say amen, church. This is the life Jesus offers to us. So often that we just sit and we're like, yep, yep, struggled with that sin for decades. Nothing I can do about it. And the Lord is going, grow! Put off that. Come sit at my feet and let me renew you in the inner person. Let me get at your heart and they will have power to put on that which is pleasing to me. Are we ready to grow, church? And again, if you hear this, and I know my tendency, I'm an exhorter. I'm an exhorter. Is that news to anyone? I'm an exhorter. And so I, I know that my, by my very style of preaching, all you could hear very loudly is put off and put on. Hear me say, unless the Lord Jesus, through the wonderful gift of the spiritual disciplines that he's given us, is renewing you in your inner person, you won't ever have the power to put off and put on. So, yes, have the list. I've got to put this off. And yes, have the list. I've got to replace it with this. But don't miss, where are you carving out extended blocks to go sit at the feet of Jesus and let him do the work he's going to do? Amen? Church, stand with me. And um, it would be a huge miss if all I told you was um, put off, be renewed, put on, um, without telling you, the way that this ultimately happens is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so um, you need to hear, if you're here for the first time or if you've just gone to church, Christianity is not ultimately a set of religious, uh, a religious system that we're just trying to do religious things. Christianity at its foundation is about knowing a Christ. Christ means savior, knowing a savior. God's word tells you that you can know Jesus Christ and that he can be renewing your mind. You can put off the things that define the old you and put on the things that are to define the one who is in Christ through a personal relationship with him. The moment you believe in Jesus Christ, you turn away from the old, you turn away from sin and you turn to Jesus Christ in faith. And if you wanna talk more about what that looks like for you. Talk to the person you came with. Come up front, talk to us. We would love to tell you more about how you can know that you know this Savior. Father God, 
I pray, Lord, that the tone of this would have been right, that it would have been clear. I pray where you're calling to put, calling us to put off some things, we would obey. But Lord, I pray we would do it out of the foundation of you renewing us in the inner man so that this isn't just um, exerting strength to change behavior, but Lord, you would be changing and molding and reshaping our heart. And Lord, that we would put on that which is fitting for those who are in you, a pursuit of holiness, a pursuit of righteousness, a pursuit and a longing to be the most Christ-like image bearers to the globe that we can be so that you get all of the glory, that we are the best spotlight shining on you that we can possibly be. Lord, get glory from our lives as we grow in Christ. In Jesus' name.